Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Glad to have you here for Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen with Podcast 283. As we take a deeper dive about emotions that hurt and maybe even help influence and how you can increase your EQ or your emotional intelligence. I've been in Dallas this week training on how to coach. Coaching the coaches, training the trainers on how to take people's lives, income to the next level, which comes back to mindset, which is self-persuasion. And of course, influence and persuasion and negotiation and marketing skills. Had a great group, big hearts, willing to give back, help out, a lot of fun. Shout out to Dallas and, of course, to the good ribs and barbecue that were provided. Good stuff. Got to talk about food, right? So let's move onward and upward and talk about our Persuasion Ninja of the Week. Now, I don't remember the last time I've taken this honor, but I'm going to take the Persuasion Ninja. Ha, ha, ha. Because at this seminar, you know, people have to pay to come to these things. There was a husband-wife team, and the husband was excited, ready to go, taking notes, participating. And next to him was his wife, arms crossed, mean look. I mean, the eyes were actually shooting darts at me. How could we be here? Why would my husband spend this? You might know the drill. And I'm like, she's going to be my best friend. Because she was saying kind of some mean things, being sarcastic. Sucking the energy out of the room. And we've had podcasts on hecklers before. Remember, heckling is, can be a negative, mean thing. Sometimes it's a clueless thing. And I thought to myself, she's going to be my best friend. And through questions and smiles and boosting the esteem and getting her involved and helping out, she eventually, by the end of the seminar, was the biggest fan and had the best testimonial. Now, the natural part of us want to just shut them down. That's not nice. That's mean. How could you look at me that way? How could you have that mean comment? But if you could take a deeper dive in where the heckling's coming from, why are they saying that? What's really happening in their lives? Know that a lot of times it's adult teasing. They're looking for a reaction. I love hecklers. They keep me on my toes. They make it more of a challenge. And it's more fun for me, especially the longer two, three-day seminars it's fun for people to kind of banter back and forth and to heck a little bit and, and to roll with it. The worst thing you can do is get upset, yell at them, give them a reaction. That means they've won. So I'll take the ninja of the week for handling that heckler. And she now is a good friend. Not going to name names, but she might know who she is and she'll smile about it and understand. That's what happened. People can start off any type of training or sales presentation that way. You've got to get in and change mood because mood matters. In fact, I've done a whole podcast on mood. Go back to the archives at InfluenceUniversity.com. That's free to you. To look at the different podcasts on humor and mood because humor changes mood. Good start would be podcast 117. If you want to send me an email, it's Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's K-U-R-T. You want access to the podcast to subscribe, that's at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. 
Also home of the Persuasion IQ. You can get to the archives there and get the free book, Maximum Influence. With the housekeeping out of the way, it's time for the geeky article. Comes from the Journal of Speech Monographs. Not one we use all the time, but this is an interesting study by Randall Roosh about emotions and logic. And the reality is, we don't even know the difference between our emotion and logic. They're intertwined. So in this study, college students prepared speeches that were written from either a logical or emotional standpoint. These speeches were presented, recorded, and evaluated by other college students to find out whether the speeches were perceived as either logical or emotional. The study found that... The speeches with which the evaluator agreed were rated as more logical, even if they were emotional. And if the evaluator did not agree, they were considered to be emotional, even though they were logical. So whether the speech was considered logical or emotional did not matter. The researchers concluded that people were unable to consistently distinguish between logical and emotional appeals. They're intertwined. You can't say, I'm a logical person, I'm an emotional person. Some people think we're thinking creatures that feel, but no, we're feeling creatures that think, and they're intertwined. You cannot separate the two. That's why emotional intelligence is so important. Some say, well, they shouldn't feel that way. Well, they do, and it's tainting their logic, and they're intertwined, and we have to focus on that and really understand how that works. And I want to remind you that up to 95% of influence involves a subconscious trigger, a feeling. I like them. I don't like them. I trust them. I don't trust them. We get so focused on the data dump and the logic, we're forgetting the emotional side of the game. And that brings us into our content and to our listener email. Oh, boy! Hank from Tennessee. Kurt, love the podcast. And last week, emotional intelligence and anger. I've also been going through the 10 common mistakes of old school persuaders. Oh, and by the way, listeners, you can get that one for free at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. He says, I've been fascinated by emotion versus logic. Last week, he talked about anger and emotional intelligence. What other emotions hurt or even help persuasions? What emotions do we need to be careful of? And that's what we're going to be talking about. Remember, emotions are real. You can't discount them. Some psychologists say there's just two basic emotions. There's fear and then subsets of fear like anger, anxiety, shame, and guilt. And then the other one would be love, which is Happiness, joy, compassion, trust, satisfaction. The tragedy is we should be taking a class on emotions and emotional intelligence and dealing with emotions probably in elementary school, at least junior high, because emotions do affect persuasions. It could be greed, love, guilt, fear, affiliation, some help, some hurt. The tragedy with emotions we talked about last week is people avoid emotions. Remember, they're like gauges in your car. They're telling you what's happening on the inside. And if you bury those emotions, it could lead to overeating, drugs, alcohol, too much TV, working too much, quick to anger, depression. All these things can happen. Now, the state we want, before we go to some of the negative ones, is happiness. Happiness is a state of balance. And the challenge is the way society defines happiness is probably different than the way you define happiness. And you have to decide what makes you happy. Now, what other people think, or society, what makes you happy? Or just remember what Ingrid Bergman says. She says, happiness is a good health and a bad memory. (laughs) Because if you're holding grudges, resentment, feeling hurt all the time, that's going to hurt your happiness. They probably didn't do it on purpose. They probably don't even remember about it, and you're holding on to it, and that hurts your happiness. Because some of the big things that destroy happiness is no sense of control. When people don't feel control in their lives, that they're making the decisions, that could hurt happiness. Another big one is no meaningful goals. 
Think about the happiest time in your life. You're pursuing worthwhile, meaningful goals. And so goals actually, when done in the right way, increase happiness. Big one for a lot of people is conflicting goals. And that's a tough one because we all suffer from this one. Maybe you want to be the best parent in the world, but you want to be the best in your career. I mean, those could conflict. Maybe you want to tuck your kids in at night, but you're traveling a lot. Maybe you want to be an entrepreneur, but you want to work for a large corporation. Those are kind of conflicting goals. And so there's not always a perfect solution, but if you can identify conflicting goals, that will definitely increase happiness. But remember, happiness is a state. It's a choice. I love what Viktor Frankl said. said, happiness is a condition rather than a destination. Happiness cannot be pursued. The more we aim at happiness, the more we miss our aim. And catch this, this is what he says. Happiness is a side effect of having purpose and meaning to life. Having that goal, having that purpose, and that meaning to life. It's a condition that you could choose or the people that you're working with can choose. Because in persuasion and emotions, you have to understand that mood matters. When people are in a good mood, they recall good things. Why they like you. Why it's going to work out. When people are in a bad mood, they recall bad things. And why it's not going to work out and why they don't like you. Your goal is to get them into a good state, a happy state, a comfortable state before you attempt to persuade them. Otherwise, it's not going to matter. If you persuade someone in a low negative emotion, it could backfire on you. You want to get them into the right state. So last podcast, we talked about anger. Of course, that happens when you're attempting to control something you can't. You're wrongly accused. There's a physical or physiological threat. Maybe something's off in their life. Remember, it's a secondary emotion. What they're angry about and really angry about can be two different things. So we took a deep dive on that and how that could hinder the persuasion process. One, two, that's a subset of anger that we need to talk about is frustration. See, people don't realize that frustration comes from unmet expectations. Now, these expectations are either spoken or unspoken. Maybe they feel like you could do better, that you were supposed to do something, act some way, say something, be more sympathetic. And you have to really find those expectations or adjust those expectations. And the challenge with frustration is it can quickly escalate to anger. Here's an example. You're eating lunch, having a good time, you're eating your salad, and you notice a large bug in your salad. You're like, yo, waiter, a bug in my salad. And the waiter comes over and just takes their fingers and takes the bug right out of the salad and says, Sorry about that. You're good to go. Now, I'm assuming for most people, probably you, that you were frustrated with that bug in your salad because your expectation was no bug in your salad, but it escalated because your expectation was not only to have a bug in your salad, but to get that salad replaced and probably eat that salad for free. But that's not what happened. That unmet expectation, which caused frustration, could quickly escalate to anger. So remember, people are frustrated with you. There's some expectation there you need to find, spoken or unspoken, real or unreal, that you need to address before it escalates into anger. Another interesting emotion is sadness. There's usually a feeling of loss. They're looking to be listened to. They want to be understood. Something is wrong in their life. They are sad. And that's where listening comes in, identifying what it is, being understood, showing a little empathy and sympathy in that situation. And now, some people milk this. They love the attention. They are addicted to the attention. You've got a way, whether it's worth your time to do that or not, especially if it's happening on a weekly or monthly basis. But if someone in the situation that you need to maintain the relationship or need the relationship, they need to be heard. There's some type of loss. And if they can just feel understood, 
the doors of persuasion will swing open. Now, a subset of that is depression. Now, as a persuader, understand when people are depressed, there's little deception that occurs in this state. They're depressed. Why try? Why do it? They really don't lie that much in this situation. You're going to see low energy, maybe a self-destructive pattern. Why try? Who cares? I don't want to do it. Emotional collapse. They're also looking for compassion. They've kind of given up, though, so you probably need to bring in some hope, some inspiration. This also happens, too, when people feel overwhelmed. Again, remember I said, why try? Break things into smaller, manageable, bite-sized pieces. But be careful here. This could be clinical. This could be diet. This could be lack of exercise. This could be a long string of failures. It could be all the above. Again, you have to decide how much time you want to spend here, and is it something that you could truly address and help. Then resentment. This is an interesting one. It comes from the word sentir, which means to feel. So you're refeeling, you're rehashing some moment in the past when you were wronged. Somebody did something. You're holding a grudge. How can they do this to you? You are mad. So every time you see them or think about it, all those feelings come back. That's a big challenge, especially if it's about you, your company, your product, your service. All these feelings are coming back. You have to find out what is the cause. Maybe you need to take responsibility. Maybe you need to help them move on. Here's an example. I moved into a new neighborhood, and I was talking to one of my neighbors, and they were kind of identifying who lived who and what they did. Just get a little information there. And she said, well, that's so-and-so, and I don't talk to them. In fact, my whole family doesn't talk to them. I'm like, wow, really? Why? It's your neighbor. you got to talk sometimes. She says, well, a few years ago, they said this and this, and it really hurt my feelings, and it wasn't appropriate, and I, we don't talk. <laughs> like, come on, let's fix this. And persuaded her to go to the door with me and knocked on the door and said, I'm so-and-so, I'm your neighbor, and of course you know so-and-so. So she cut in and says, you remember two years ago when he said this? Made me so mad. That's why I don't talk to you. And he's like, really? I did? Wow, I'm sorry. <laughs> two years. He doesn't even remember. And you have to understand this, this resentment quickly escalates to anger, and anger is like drinking poison and hoping it hurts your enemy. We've talked about this. Be careful. But people get stuck in that regrets, that resentment. How could they? They're reliving it. They're refeeling it. You've got to bring them back to reality. Realize that it's hurting them more than it's hurting the other person. This is one that can definitely put persuasion in a downward spiral. Now, here's one that kind of fits in the middle. Sometimes it can really hurt you. Sometimes it can really help you. It's the emotion of fear. Now, fear is anxiety or tension caused by danger or apprehension. And fear could be a good thing. It reminds us to stay alert, pay attention. I mean... You're walking down that dark alley or in the forest or the jungle, wherever it is. Sometimes fear, we're alert. The chemicals it secretes in our body, we're ready and we're more attentive. Now, this fear could come from society, your experience, parents. And worry is a form of fear. But you have to understand the reality is, and we've talked about this before, is that you were only born with two fears. Every baby in the world, a day old, has two fears. Fear of falling and fear of loud noises. That's it. So all these fun little fears that are holding you back, you've learned them so you can unlearn them. Right? Fear of public speaking, fear of fear, fear of success, fear of criticism, fear of failure. Those are all learned fears that you can address and understand. And this is not a show to talk about how to overcome fears. I'll leave that for another podcast, but it's real. It's something in persuasion that could hurt. If they're having a lot of fear about making a decision and doing things, they're going to run. 
But you can also use fear in a strategic way to help the persuasion process. And here's a little formula. And remember that it's okay to use a little fear. People abuse it and use it. I mean, people buy life insurance, airbags, home alarms, guns out of fear. I mean, that's what people do. A dentist will say only floss the teeth you want to keep, right? That's fear. Sometimes that's all you have. I'd rather use hope and inspiration, but some people aren't motivated by that. Sometimes you need to use fear. And the number one thing with this, the formula here is it's got to be unpleasant, not to you, but to them. Something that makes them move is unpleasant. They don't want to be there. They're moving away from something. And the key factor here is you have to have the proper dose. Most people use either way too much or way too little. It has to be enough just to make them a little unpleasant, uneasy, cause a little dissonance for them to take action. Now, we see this not work with teenagers that are learning to drive, that are watching the videos of all the dead bodies in the car crashes because they were texting and driving. And these teenagers whose frontal lobes aren't developed tend to laugh. It doesn't happen to them. That's other people. It's too much fear. The dose is too high. The second thing is it needs to be imminent. Hey, you know, asteroids are going to hit the Earth. You're like, okay, whatever. A, what can I do about it? B, it's not going to happen today. Fear is very short-term. It has to be imminent, happening soon. And the third thing is you're not pushing those fear buttons for fun. You're there to provide a solution, right? Push the button, make it unpleasant, make it imminent. It's going to be bad and provide the solution, which is usually your product or service. And fourth thing is that they need to feel capable of doing what you're asking them to do. Are they overwhelmed? It's too much. Do they have the sources? Do they have the tools to do it? If you have a teenager that's not doing well in school, let's go through the formula. If you don't do well in school, you'll work at McDonald's your whole life. I've heard parents say that before. Is that unpleasant to them? Maybe not. Maybe that's their goal. Maybe they feel it's a great career path to eventually manage and own a store. Is it imminent? Two years to a teenager is not imminent. That is a lot of time. And do you have a solution? Maybe they don't know how to study. Maybe they don't know the best way to take a test. Maybe they need a tutor. And do they feel capable? Maybe after years of not doing well and feeling like they're failing, maybe they don't feel capable of doing what you're asking them to do. That is the formula. It works. So fear is one of the ones that go either way. It can really help or it could really hurt. So bottom line here, recap. Mood matters. Your mood and their mood. Learn to read and understand emotions, your EQ. Be aware of the emotions that can help persuasion and hurt persuasion. And get people in the right state. Neuroscience is teaching a lot about the brain. In fact, we learned more about the brain in the last 10 years and the last 100 years combined. In fact, as we talk about state, being in the right state, and get people to like you, the research shows that when you help people feel good about themselves, the dendrite connections between the neurons and the brain physically change. They form new neural patterns that make the person want to cooperate with us. Did you catch that? They're Neural patterns form and change, and they want to cooperate with you to be persuaded. That's why emotional intelligence, understanding emotions, being likable, being in the right state, getting people in the right mood is critical for persuasion and influence. So practice that this week. Learn to read emotions. Be more aware of those emotions. Use those emotions in the persuasion process. And as you master that skill, you will definitely be able to persuade with power.